everybody, and welcome to John Hennigan's Old Time Radio Show. So glad you could join us. It's going to be really terrific. we got some really wacky, zany old records for you tonight. Boy, oh boy. It's, it's going to be a swell time. <laughs> nice all right so it's uh may 31st 2021 you're listening to john's old time radio show we're back with our very special guest soon to be called co-hosts robert armstrong and mark pollock guys thanks for uh doing this again oh it's a pleasure always so, so now there's a little debate on what we're going to call the theme to this show uh soloist great soloist great i don't know you you, you, you guys people who play great solos by themselves or with a small group or large group 
I mean, I mean, all these shows could just be titled "The Records We Felt Like Playing Today." Yeah, exactly. It's just an excuse to get together. <laughs> but not so much singing; it's all instrumental. Yeah, right. right. Instrumental. That's the key. Yeah, that's the key. All right. Yeah, that's good. Oh. So what well, do you got, Mark? Well, you know, there's this thing that happens when you try to plan something like this. We were just talking about it, how, you know, is it just one instrument solo? Is it an instrument solo in front of other people? And it was much harder when I thought we were going to do just one instrument solo. So I've got a DECA record here. It's Mead Lux Lewis doing the Celeste Blues on a Celeste. Okay, uh, cool. Which is pretty atypical blues instrument. And I've got to take a careful look at this. This is one of those where the the, the lead-in groove is maybe one millimeter. There's almost no space there. I don't know how that happened, but okay. someone was really cutting it fine that day.
Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Very I, nice. He must have lost a bet. That's the only reason I can think of for making that record is he lost a bet. And so I said, all right, you have to go make a record on this Celeste over here. Oh, really? That's cool. <laughs> it's just so celestial. <laughs> well, it's a short keyboard on those. You don't usually don't have a full five octaves even, so he's really working in a cramped space trying to do that. Oh. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to play this uh, Hurdy Gurdy solo from the French region of uh, Auvergne. Um, you know, I started going to France in the summers about, I don't know, 17, 18 years ago, visiting Crum uh, over there. And uh, I used to find these records all the time at the flea markets. When I, when I first started going, I'd say like the first almost 10 years, you go to these flea markets on the weekends, you you know, traveling no more than like a half hour from wherever you were. There's like 10 flea markets, you know, big, big flea markets. And every other person had stacks of records that'd be like one or two euros. And I think I mentioned on the other show, like in Paris, finding great Hawaiian records. Sure. You, you, but but this stuff, this these, uh, you know, you find tons of great musette records and these records in particular used to show up all the time. This guy re recorded in in the region of Auvergne, great accordion and uh, hurdy-gurdy players and this really unusual like French country music. And mostly the other music that got recorded from what I can tell in France was Musette, which is great. You know, it's like their version of, you know, dance band music, sort of, more or less. They used to dance to it in Paris. And it just makes me wonder, like, what else was going on in the country? You know, there's so much French countryside. Not much was recorded. But anyways, okay, so I used to find these all the time. Now, not so much ever since, uh, I think I mentioned it in a previous show, but since Woody Allen put out that Midnight in Paris and became, like, trendy and romantic to buy 78s, so all of a sudden, you know, they were 30, 40 euros each, and then nobody had them. I don't know. But anyways, I got, I got a bunch of these. This is a great one. Un de ces airs mélancoliques qu'on appelle en Auvergne regret, suivi d'une marche nuptiale par le cabretail Bouscatel.
Thomas. Pretty right. good, huh? Uh, right out of the medieval past with that sound. Like, what a beautiful vibrato. Yeah. Yeah. But you could totally overdub the sound of a really huge, like, stadium audience and, like, Peter Frampton saying, thank you, right at the end. And you would not be able to tell the difference between that and a really extended guitar solo. It's just incredible. <laughs> you know, fireworks go off <laughs> afterwards, a few pyrotechnics. <laughs> what we got? Well, jumping ahead. 1936 American record on Decca featuring Bernie Ladd on the ocarina and he's backed okay. up by John Cali on guitar. Now when we were doing our banjo show, John Cali's name came up. But oh yeah. Those and uh, yeah, ocarina, if you're not also known as a sweet potato. And it's like an ancient, ancient instrument. It goes back like thousands of years. They played in, in ancient China and ancient Greece and, you know, and Mesoamerica, the Aztecs. And it's like a little clay thing that you make up and with little holes that you blow into, like a whistle type of thing. And uh, Bernie Ladd uh, made his own ocarinas that he carefully tuned and found an article from the Pittsburgh Press from 1938 that said he had the world's largest collection of ocarinas. But he was a virtuoso of uh, the ocarina. Wow. Wow. And I remember in elementary school, I had one. I learned it, you know, third grade. It was like the recorder of its day. Oh, God. And it had like, you know, four or five holes and blow it. just like whistle sounding. So, wow.
Wow, that's great. That's really tremendous. I, I can't believe a thousand more acts like that weren't recorded, you know? I mean, that's what the people want, right? Well, and I can't believe one act like that was recorded, too. I mean, you got both sides of the same thing, right? Well, I'm being facetious, yeah, but we're so lucky that they got one through the audition process, right? So great. True. Good point. I just, well, can you imagine going to a featured concert by Bernie Ladd? Evening with Bernie Ladd and his ocarina. Yeah, could you imagine? I mean, that's just, that's probably the tip of the iceberg, what you'd get, you know? Oh. (laughs) Really great. It's really That's great. Fantastic. Um, so I guess I'll go next, and I was going to head in a completely different direction. Okay. Um, there are very few uh, true slack key guitar records uh-huh. out there. You know, there's you know the first ones were by uh, Gabby uh, Pagnuni, um, and there's a few others, but they're they're few and far between because it was at least earlier recordings. Yeah, earlier recordings. Uh, plenty, but the early stuff, you know, and most of them are electric because that's what folks were into using. Um, but I, I, I've got a real deep love for good slack key music. Uh, so what I've got here on the Bell record label is uh, George Kaoki Davis doing the Wahini slack key. And the only reason it's released at all is because they needed a B-side to whatever was on the other side of the record. So that, these are almost always B-sides. They never were the featured track. Cool.
beautiful. So That's really, really great. African guitar music I've heard from the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Really great. Yeah, you know, a lot of that open tuning stuff, um, you know, you hear the similarities between the, between the open tuning of the flat key and the open tuning of the, uh, of the finger pick blues records. There's, there's a lot, you know, I, I think they're just, there's natural notes that happen when you're working with those tunings and it just creates some wonderful music. All right, so I'm going to uh, do a little commercial here. So for those that don't know, um, Robert Armstrong, uh, who's on our show today with Mark, is uh, a great musician, artist, all-around nice guy, too, aside from just being a, a record collector. But what you should do is you should go to armstrongartandnoveltyhut.com, and you can check out his paintings, which some of which are for sale, which are amazing. Uh, his comics, he has examples of uh, Mickey Rat, the underground comic that he started out with. Um, and uh, you can buy some of his music too, including the three Cheap Suit Serenader records, a band I love, the Joy Buzzards, Ken and Bob record, a bunch of records that he did with the Cowboy Singer, Sourdough Slim, Janet Klein's Parlor Boys. There's so much stuff there. And also, it, and uh, Bob, I wanted to ask you about this. Like, um, There's also great photos of all these instruments that you painted by hand, which I just love looking at. And that kind of follows the traditions of those painted cowboy guitars, right? I know you did some for Martin, and you do them just on your own. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah. The old stencil guitars. I did some uh, painted guitars for the Martin Company, and that were I made a painting, and then they printed the painting on these weird kind of formica type of guitars, or high density laminate guitars. Or just, yeah, you know, they're not even made of wood; they're made of this laminate material. But I did that, and also I designed a stencil guitar for the Collings Guitar Company in Texas. It was more like an old cheap stencil guitar from the '40s. Yeah. They're on really fine instruments. And then I've been painting ukes and guitars. In fact, I'm working on a painting right now for a friend uh, uh, who lives up in Hood River, Oregon, who's Ben Bonham, who's a fine musician and also instrument builder. And, uh, and he made a copy of a Roy Smith Stage Deluxe, Stage Deluxe uh, steel guitar that Gibson made in the 30s. And he ah, cool. made it without a finish, and so I'm painting that with Hawaiian scenes and stuff. In fact, Mickey Rats kind of worked into the design of that thing. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so occasionally, yeah, you know, I paint instruments. You know, ukes take less time than painting a whole guitar, but you know. yeah, I could imagine that's really time-consuming, right? Uh, Especially with the the I detail you do it with. I have to get you to paint ocarinas or kazoos. You can knock a whole bunch of those out real fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're real they're really great, and uh, everyone should go to. Arm I'm going to say it again, but you can just Google Robert Armstrong uh, art and novelty, and it'll come up. But Armstrong, hold up, let me get it right. Armstrong Art and Novelty Hut dot com. Correct. Yeah, do it. Buy some stuff. Don't be stupid. Oh, man, what what are you stupid. doing? Like all these people got all this money in the bank, and what good does that do? You need stuff. Yeah. You gotta have cool I stuff. Like, buy like Mickey Rat T-shirts and coffee mugs. My daughter put all the stuff up there now. You can get through the website. You know, like yeah, it's great. 
One stop shopping. More a beautiful painting. I mean, these paintings are, are oh, underpriced, yeah. Bob. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're underpriced for what you oh. get. I've got a gorgeous one up in my room. I know you have one, John. Yeah, I have a beautiful one of a frog playing the banjo that like oh. I mean I could just stare at it forever. It's like, you know, it's it's, it's really unbelievable. You, you should really check out these paintings if you're out there listening because uh they're just absolutely I mean I, I, mean, I want every one. Like I'm looking at them now like this robot with the b bats and all, all the stuff. And there's also like uh Hawaiian paintings like the, there's a great one of uh Pale K Lua and David Kali, how do you say it? Kaili. Unfortunately, I have dyslexia, so I can't speak. But yeah, just go check them out. They're they're really incredible. Um, Thank you. Well, yeah. and, and check this out, John. I'm a lucky guy because guess what? Tomorrow in my classroom, Mr. Armstrong is coming in to do art with my second graders. Now, Tom, no way. Cool. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. Uh, I love it. <laughs> but, drawing with the kitties. Yeah. 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 But while we're shilling and doing product placement, we also need to mention um, your site, John, because that's really crucial to actually making this whole thing work. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's very, it's very kind of you, very kind of you. I would never mention it myself because I do not demand that the listening audience who gets yeah, this podcast for free, you know, invest in uh, my products on on any level. I just don't think it's necessary. But if you go on eBay to the store Eden and John, you'll find some cool stuff and go there right after you go to the Armstrong Art and Novelty Hut. Now, you might spend a little more money there, but you're going to get high, higher quality products like, you know, hand painted art. I mean, come on, what are you? But, you, you know, it, it's you're going to have some change left over. And when the change falls off the table, you can buy some LPs and CDs with that. And then you'll have done something with your life. Then you'll have a cheat. You can you can stand in your room in your house now surrounded by cool stuff and finally say, I've spent my money wisely. You know, I didn't give it yeah. all to Amazon for Christ's sakes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, also some fine prints by uh uh, Mr. Crumb show up occasionally on your eBay site. We're just got, looking at the other room. Daddy's yeah. Oh, beautiful. Fantastic. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. He, he did those drawings for me, you know, because um, he covets my records. So, you know, I sent him <laughs> records. And, and But I got to say, it's like, you know, when I first met him and he kind of made that suggestion to me, oh, you know, well, yeah, if you ever want to trade any records, you know, I could draw for you. I wasn't like against it, of course, but. I didn't really understand at that point, like looking at original art, like how, uh, I, I don't know. I just never get tired of it. It's like what I'm saying, like with the, 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 the painting that Armstrong did of the frog playing the banjo, it's yeah. beautiful just to look at, you know, like you, you look at it and it's, I always remember Richard Nevins, who's a guy who, you know, great, you know, the Yazoo owner, obviously amazing record collection also has amazing artwork and visual, you know, uh, American, you know, advertising all over his walls. And he always used to say, and at first I, I didn't really understand it, you know, but it's like, well, you know, these records are good, but you know, he's like, look at all these records. I could spend my lifetime. I can't even listen to them all, but this art every day I get to look at it. It's always there. I can't not look at it. And, it, and, and, uh, his walls are jammed at floor to ceiling with the most amazing illustration. Yeah. It's, stuff. it's, it's unbelievable. So, you know, in my own way, that's what I'm trying to do here. And I got to say, it, I recommend it to anyone. Um, whatever you're buying on Amazon can wait, you know. You really don't need any more aspirin. What you need is some really cool art to look at. Quite <laughs> uh, the endorsement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, 
Okay. We believe. Okay, we go. <laughs> and now back to our program. Yes. Yes. All right, John. Do you have something to play now? Since we've uh, since we seen you doing round robin style. Today. Is, it, is it my turn? Okay. I think well, so. All right. Well, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to pass it up. All right. This is a. Do, do the, you guys know this record, The Three Old Salts? They just did one record for Columbia. It's yeah, called yeah. Shore Leave. They're obviously like a vaudeville group. Um, I don't know anything about them. Couldn't find anything about them. They don't make it into any of the discographies because they don't fit into any of the you know, standard categories. Well, anyways, I, I think you'll like it. I think it speaks for itself. But this is uh, Shore Leave by The Three Old Salts. All ashore that's going ashore. Come on, Larry. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, fellas. Look at that beautiful girl over there. Oh, no. <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Say, watch me do my stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's all the big laugh hey, for? You didn't get a rumble, not a rumble. Oh, well, I suppose you sailors think I haven't got it. I'll say you haven't. Uh-huh. Well, all right, then. There's only one thing left for us to do. What's that, sailor? Well, you get on that guitar, and I'm going to straddle that strat of mine. And listen, boy, get the dandruff out of that comb, and let's just get hot. Let's go. showy style lots of sliding and lots of ah beautiful yeah, yeah. But, a little yeah, comb inspired by eddie lang and joe Venuti. yeah 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 totally yeah stuff 
Herman Timberg made some records like that too with that style of uh, fiddle and uh, I just love them. Just wonderful stuff. Yeah, this is like uh, took me a while to find this. Crumb played this for me. Yeah, first and uh, <laughs> That's I was able I was able to get it on the the blue. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, nice, nice blue Columbia yeah. there. It took me a long time to find it, but I don't I don't remember paying very much for it. I think I might have been the only bidder. Not too many people after the three old salts in the oh, blues no. mafia, you know. What's the people here that said, oh, I can't touch it now for less than five hundred? Uh, I hope not, but Oh shucks. What we got here, Bob? Another harmonica solo record. Oh, very nice. Backed up. This is a version of St. Louis Blues by Willie. Red Newman, also oh, yeah. by Sid Newman, and if you're familiar with the group, the Five Harmaniacs, yeah, recorded in the twenties. He's the main harmonica player. Yeah, he's and, great. Uh, I love him. Things like "What Makes My Baby Cry" and, like that. <laughs> and but this is from '36, and he by that time he was playing with this kind of cowboy western swing group called Jack Payne and the Oklahoma Cowboys, and uh, also made a bunch of records that day, but they let him make these two solo records on either side here. And cool. so it's backed up by the bass player and the guitar player of the Oklahoma Cowboys. But listen to this. It's interesting, the guitar playing. It sounds like he's playing the chords on a steel guitar, like a wood body steel guitar. Hmm. If you tell me, listen to it, it has that sound, but okay. it's not like a resonator guitar. Cool. <laughs>
Great record. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so great. So great. So, so you're meeting about the guitar playing? Listen, it's like he's got some kind of tremolo device on, on the bridge or something. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I looked up the I think Slim Hayes was the guitar oh player on that. Is that is that the same guy that goes by the name Slim Jim from that same period on Bluebird? He does that like Blind Lemon Jefferson. I think that's the same guy. I think Slim Hayes is Slim Jim. Yeah, I have him on a, a Bluebird from that same time, and he does like a version of Matchbox Blues that's, uh, you know, really uh, cool. Got to hear that. <laughs> yeah. That, that record's so great, though. Uh, both, both sides, right? The other side is Shine oh, On Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I, I was trying to decide which to play. And I yeah, I, they're both great. Yeah, masterpieces. I, there is no rule that says we can't play both. Is there? Yeah. No, give it a spin. There we go. Oh, All right. A <laughs> popular demand. Oh, okay. dead wax outside the track as there is stuff it's got that's a short track wow like two minutes or <laughs> oh that's great that guy does every single kind of duck call and everything else he can pull off on a harmonica i see what you mean though you, you, about that guitar like it must i don't know if he made it or because i don't know of tremolo arms at that time but there's some kind of tremolo that he's doing i mean it sounds like a Bigsby kind of tremolo, but it would predate that. Yeah, he's clearly cording up and down the neck. But he but does these things where he goes, you know, oh, real, yeah. real even, like, like it's not a bend, you know. It's yeah, it's, it's all, all the notes are bending at once. It's and I thought maybe he could be doing it with a lap steel with a bar, but no, the, the chords yeah. don't quite work that way. But unless he just made his own device somehow, yeah, he might have just made a homemade version of a tremolo. 
bridge somehow. Yeah. yeah, behind the bridge. Who knows? Wow. It's interesting. Well, I'm going to switch to a, a, an African record that was issued on London Records in England. This is a Willard Sele doing the Penny Whistle Blues. And it's interesting when you look at the label for this, you see there's the three little dots from it being cut to an acetate. So it's mm -hmm. cut straight to an acetate, and then they pressed it from there. You don't see that too often. Um, so Penny Whistle Blues. sometimes and you know, I don't I don't hear people talk about it much but listening to that record just now I've decided it's time to upgrade it from the tattered old brown capital record sleeve that it was in it now gets a nice fresh green uh, craft paper sleeve so it's it's being honored okay that's I, I, do, do you do this do you think like that sometimes like oh this is such a nice record it, you, you get a nice sleeve now yeah. <laughs> promoted yeah Maybe not. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I kind of hate to admit it, but I'm so crazy that at one point I switched all my sleeves over to knock sleeves, and I have this stamp that I put on it from the collection of the collector, <laughs> which I don't know if you guys know. Uh, do you know what a song poem record is? Yes. 
Okay, well, do you know, Bob? A sign poem? A sign well, it's poem. what they call this genre. I, I, th this is the other type of records I collect, and they started in the 50s, and they were really big in the 60s and 70s. What they would do is these different record companies would put ads in magazines like Writer's Digest and etc. And they'd say like, you know, we're we're looking for great lyricists, you know, send in your lyrics and we'll tell you if we think you have what it takes to make a hit. So, of course, if you sent in your lyrics, you got a form letter back saying, we think your lyrics are, you know, just what it's going to take to be a big hit. All you have to do is send us X amount of dollars and we'll produce a record for you. And then if it sells over an amount, a ridiculous amount, you know, you'll get a royalty. And of course, they'd only print like, you know, 500 or 1,000 of these records. But they ended up in dime stores. And, you know, 90% of them are, you know, completely unlistenable. And then that like last 10%, you know, were written by people who, you know, you might call like, you know, outsiders or whatever. And, you know, I, I those are the ones I, I just love. I mean, I particularly go after ones about, like, UFO abductions or, you know, like, you know, I mean, they're just, and they're really great. I mean, some of them are, are great. Like, I, I just got this one, you know, it's obviously somebody, it's written in the 60s, and this person's, like, really anti-hippie, and the song's called, I don't know why they smoke it, the pot, you know? <laughs> And the guy who does it does it in this like really lounge style, you know. I don't know why they smoke it, the pot. You know, it's really, really great. So, anyways, uh, but I, I wrote some of these while, while these while I was younger, while these were still still around, and I wrote these these lyrics about how I was the greatest collector in the world, and the, and it was called the Great Collector. So that's where that stamp comes from. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, that's yeah the guy did a great job and did it i think he he got the fact that i was a little bit aware of what was happening but still he he sent me all the form letters he kept hounding me how you know he, he thinks my my song would be great on a compilation after he recorded like he never stopped trying to get more money out of me which i i felt was kind of cool because i was really part of the process you know and i would kind of write him back and be like you know i kind of know you know what this is i love making these records but you know and and then write me back like Okay, no, 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 but I, I think if you send us just, you know, $150 more, and I was just like, wow, this is great. Total commitment. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so, way, yeah. yeah, exactly. So moving right along, uh, I'm going to play this record by uh, 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 the, this duo that I love, Evans and McLean, and, uh, you know, they get called, like, blues because they were, like, black guys. They record 1931, this record, but, of course, you know, they, they were, like, so many bands doesn't matter what your ethnicity was they played music you know and they played a lot of like great you know pop tunes and they played country and you know they're played very little blues actually you know people call them blues but i guess that's neither here nor there but um this is you know the the country tune uh sourwood mountain mandolin and guitar and it's really great and this is this is a rare one I, I spent a long time looking for this record finally got it so here we go, Sourwood Mountain. <laughs> 
Yeah. Backwood sound of a yeah. black group or a black group you wouldn't Well, you know, it's like before the record company came along and marketed everyone into, you know, this or that, right? I mean so many bands just played all different styles of music. I mean, that's kind of what I like to do in, in the East River string band is you know, we just play whatever, you know. I'm with you on that too. Yeah. What do you got, Bob? Well, something real different. A trumpet solo. That was released in 1930 by Bob Efros. And it's interesting, he does all these effects with mutes. Oh, cool. He's really inspired, you know, by, I think of Bubber Miley from the early Ellington Group and King Oliver and like that. And, uh, but Bob Efros was around for a while. And, and uh, if you heard, you may remember we did our novelty music show. We had a record on there by the Havana Novelty Orchestra doing Oh, yeah. Inez. And towards the end of the record, I had this crazy, maniacal laughing. <laughs> <laughs> crazy laughing. And that's this guy, Bob Efros, laughing. Oh, wow. And, uh, but he also uh, read, he even played on the, some uh, music soundtracks for Betty Boop and, and Popeye cartoons for Max Fleischer. Oh, cool. The Paramount Orchestra. So he was around. He did all kinds of stuff and played various groups and uh, his granddaughter Barbara Efros is working on a biography of this guy. Nice. I've had this record for a long time and has and he this tune called Tin Ear. <laughs>
This will be our last record. What a fun show. So many great soloists. Makes me want to go take a solo. But I'm probably better off playing the rhythm behind somebody else. <laughs> so, so what do we have here? Oh, this is called a Lover. Lawrence. Richard's heart. Perry, Perry, yeah. Uh, um, 1950. Perry Botkin. Um, for those of you that ever watched the Beverly Hillbillies TV show, yeah. Perry Botkin did all the incidental music that wasn't like Flat and Scruggs said. All the huh. background music, like he composed, like Ellie May's theme. And it's like kind of this weird kind of electric guitar stuff in the background. And he was around, he was a hot banjo player in the 20s. There's an episode of Ozzy and Harriet from 1956 where he's a featured banjo player along with Ozzy. And they do oh, wow. banjo duets. You can look, it's on YouTube. There's hmm. Perry Vodka and Ozzy Nelson playing banjos. But this is what, some hot this, ukulele. This playing. is a great. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, yeah, John, for having fun. us. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys for doing it. <laughs> Peabody.
there and woe, here I go, singing low, oh, bye-bye, blackbird. Where somebody waits for me, sugar sweet, and so is she, oh, bye-bye, blackbird. No one here can love and understand me. Oh, what hard luck stories they all hand me. Make my bed and light the light. I'll arrive late tonight. Blackbird, bye-bye. For the audience, so long for a while. We love That's you. That's all the songs for a while. We love you. We love your audience. Thanks for tuning in to John's Old Time Radio Show. Ooh, that was nice. Please join us next time, where John will chastise you, call you stupid, and say fuck off. Thank you and good night. Well, that was I'm, great. I'm great. I'm going to use that in every show. Every show is going to end That's with that. That's a career she could have had.